Okay, it's working. It's working. It's working. It's working. It's working. Oh, that's from the the Star Wars prequels. Now this is Pod Racing. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Avatar: Legend of the Last Retrospective here at the Waffle Press Podcast. I'm your host Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host Matt Garingo. I'm Matt Garingo. Matt, what are we here to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about how there is no war in Ba Sing Se. Yeah, it's very important that just, that we establish you know, that early on. Just want to make that clear to everyone out there. Uh, and here on the the Avatar: Legend of the Last Retrospective podcast, we are assuming that you have seen the five episodes we're here to discuss. Because every week we talk about five episodes from Avatar: The Last Airbender. This will change as we move forward into the next versions of the retrospective. But for this series, this three-season series, that, that'll be the order of things. So today's episode, we'll be talking about The Desert, The Serpent's Pass, The Drill, City of Walls and Secrets, and The Tales of Bossing Say, which is kind of like five episodes in and of itself. <laughs> uh, but Matt, what did you think about the I almost said the library, the desert, which follows the, uh, the events of the library. I just realized I'm an idiot. What did you do? Well, all right. So I don't know how did I do this. So, all right. I, I sat down when I sat down to get ready for this one. I think we recorded mm. last week. Um, mm-hmm. I watched as soon as that ended. I went and I watched the next four episodes. So I watched everything from the desert to uh, City of Walls and Secrets. And I was like, I know I have to watch the Tales of Ba Sing Se on its own. Because I, like, I just can't. Like, that's one I kind of just have to, like, isolate. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'll probably, I'll watch that one the day of recording. Was my idea. But then for, for some reason, I don't know, I like must have counted wrong. But for some reason, I, I I thought, I sat down and I was like, oh shit, Tale of Bossing Say is actually the fourth episode. I have to watch the episode after that as well. Which is why I delayed recording today. <laughs> oh, okay. Because it, it, sla- it hit me. At, like I was like, oh shit, I gotta watch the next one. So then I watched the, the episode after the Tales of Bossing Say, which, uh, spoilers, not a happy episode. <laughs> 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 and I watched that... In, in an environment, um, the world's not great today. <laughs> so I also was watching a miserable episode while miserable things were happening around me, and now I just realized I didn't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in luck because next time will also probably be a terrible day for humanity or something. I don't know. I can't I don't, imagine. I, I don't have a lot of positivity these days. I can't imagine things could get worse. We're recording this on August 11th. I can't wait until we find out how much worse things have gotten. <laughs> by the well, time. At, the be- at the beginning of this retrospective, which has only been like a couple of weeks we've, we've been recording these. We've been doing pretty good, so we'll, we'll see how this goes. But uh, I did not think things could get worse, and they, they kind of just have. So... Sorry to be a downer at the beginning of this episode, but that actually kind of sets the mood for these episodes. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I think things have been just a general, like, same level of awfulness. 
I, I guess. Like it's I'm, just I'm, a lot. Yeah, it just it just it doesn't stop. You know. <laughs> it's just like oh, it's all bad, actually. Like just, there's always like that like one moment where like oh maybe things aren't that bad and then it's like nope they're bad and then you go to other people and like I think things are bad and they're like yep they are and then nothing is solved and nothing is gained but maybe much like Avatar Aang we can come to terms with our own emo- emotional turmoil in um uh relation to the events unfolding before us. Aang had it fucking easy. I, are, I'm just trying... Well, kids mm-hmm. are fucking wimps <laughs> compared to let's, the shit let's, that's going let's, on. Let's, let's tone it down a notch. Um, saying, he I'm, is the survivor of a genocide, so... Y- yeah. Fucking kid had it easy. Yeah, I'm just saying. Look, kids in cages. Yeah. So... Yeah. Things are very bad. <laughs> yep. Yep. Things are fucking very, very bad. Uh, Sorry for digging this hole. Yeah, no, no, no. We can we can probably not climb out of it, but we can change the subject. Well the good thing the good thing to remember, and I think you know, is that despite everything there just there is no war in bossing, say. Yep. We can we can at least take solace. We can take solace in that. Yeah, you you can't you can't bring that up. Yeah, just nothing, nothing happening. But okay, the, the desert. Because what that that entire little sidetrack in the first five minutes of this episode, um, it's it's. I'm glad you saw another episode, but uh, really didn't even need to be addressed because uh, it just still top straight to the desert. Listen, no one listens to this for in depth discussion of these episodes. I hate I'm just break, saying. I hate to break it to you. Also, I like that you respect the intelligence of our listeners enough that every time you do the intro, you have to be like. Look, one of these days we're going to not do five episodes in one episode. Because <laughs> when that day comes, if they don't have all this prep before it, they're just going to fucking lose it. Yeah, yeah. They can't handle it. Change is, is difficult The sometimes. weak-minded fools that listen to this. I, I did not say any of that. You implied it. Imply it. You no, implied no, it. No, <laughs> I did not do that. I'm just saying what we're all thinking. Why? Why are you thinking that? Because that's an accurate statement. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Who the hell's listening to this? I, I don't know. Hopefully, some new people. Yeah, welcome, friends. This I'm, episode was I'm directed glad. by Lauren McMullen, who has been like the MVP in the director category for this series. Like yeah. a lot of the time, like she, all of her episodes are kind of like some of the best ones, or at yeah. least most fun to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, we end up getting the most and, discussion out of a lot of them. Yeah, and um, I think she, the way she handles the color palettes of a lot of her episodes, too, are, like, really, um, they just make for, like, an invigorating watch, you know? Like, eye candy, or I guess, like, like Guillermo del Toro says, eye protein, you know? Because she's a really good visual storyteller, and, like, the blocking, and, like, the landscapes. And uh, the images of the gang just walking through the desert are, like very colorful and they look like genuine paintings which i really like you know so uh it's it's a good like minimalist episode because it really you really don't need an episode like this in the series but it's nice to have it like you the the arc of this episode the desert is just ang coming to terms 
with his anger over losing Appa, and he allows himself to to just mourn for a moment. That's it. That's that's what happens at the end of this episode, and every little action he takes in this episode builds up to that moment when Aang just finally releases his anger and starts crying in Katara's arms. And you you kind of could have just done that, but this show is inventive enough to get mileage out of the emotional components of the storytelling. I really like this episode, in case you couldn't tell. No, it's really good. It's 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 an emotionally driven episode, which is again interesting for a kid's show, especially of this era where it's just like they're just gonna wander around the desert for a half hour. And you know, like I'm you know, they don't just do that, but it's really that's all that happens. <laughs> and a couple beats happen, but all the beats beats that happen are emotional beats. And also Sokka and Momo get stoned. Yeah, which is kind of reminded me of that episode of Cowboy Bebop where they all get stoned. <laughs> so that's an interesting thing to happen yeah. in this pretty dour episode, frankly. Yeah, and it doesn't, like, throw the episode off. It just... It, it's, uh... It, it is driven emotionally by Aang, but it's grounded, like, literally a lot of the time by Katara. And mm-hmm. that, you know... Sh- they do bring this up um, in a lot of the fandom discussion that Katara has a lot of, like, mom energy because she's very, like, trying to take care of everyone all the time. And this episode's, like, peak Katara mom because Sokka's, like, stoned with Momo. Toph can't, like, is is lost at sea, basically, because well, like, she can't see like... in the sand. Yeah. And then Aang is rightfully upset and just, like, running off on his own and... He's just trying to keep everyone together, and I don't. This this episode, I I I love it more every time I see it. You know, like you tend to have like your sol like solidified favorites of the series, you know. But this one kind of keeps rising in my estimation, at least. It's a good episode. It's also we get the reveal of the White Lotus Society. Yeah, very very little, very little, <laughs> but um, as much as you need right now. It lets you know that. There's more stuff brewing in the background. It's also good to just kind of sneak it into this episode because, like, it's like the one like actual plot beat that really happens. Yeah, <laughs> for like to move the story forward. And I guess and one we're kind of like one thing that always helps the series is that there's like always like a good target in the distance, so I think it lets it be able to like meander for a second. Even like I don't say meander; it's like an insult. Just sometimes you need an episode like this mm-hmm. kind of break it like either you know sometimes it can be an episode similar to this but it's more upbeat and this just happens to be an episode where it's more hey sometimes you just need to cry yeah. uh i i think for fantasy stories too that it, it's nice when they kind of take their time like you know there's all those jokes about lord of the rings being like it's a, it's a trilogy of movies where they just walk from one place to another and it's like, if you want to simplify it down to, like, Lord of the Rings for idiots, like, yeah, that is what happens, but it's also doing a lot more than that in the journey it's telling, you know? Goddamn, and you have I, a full understanding of the world that they're inhabiting. And goddamn, I apologize for yet again bringing up Star Wars, because, like, that seems to be just a running thing we're doing. But, do you, like, do you remember how many people walked out of Rise of, I mean, not Rise of, uh, Last Jedi and went, nothing happened in that movie? Mm-hmm. Do you remember how like that was like a common thing for people to say? 
like how do you do that <laughs> like I, you know it's it's one thing where i get it like maybe you walked into it and you didn't like what you saw but a lot of people came out of, the, out of that story and was like nothing happened in it which is just crazy to me yeah like on some level we have failed fundamentally in this country shocker i know as um like as teaching people on how to approach art mm. and storytelling and that I think a lot of stuff like Save the Cat has kind of like warped people's minds, you know, in that like it kind of breaks down I plot think... points and key ideas more than like actually discussing how to approach these things. Can we talk about Save the Cat for a second? <laughs> sure. The worst um, book ever. No, it's not the worst book. It's but called like the last I, I... book you'll ever need on screenwriting or something like that. I think it's the actual subtitle of it. Um, it was written by Blake Snyder, who is dead. That's are you? <laughs> um, his death and him writing the book have nothing to do with each other. I just feel like I should. Uh, I, I just clear. feel like maybe people should know, because um, okay. just as a reminder, the death comes for all of us. And uh, you know what his two writing credits are? Uh, stop or my mom will shoot. And blank check. Which is the movie about a kid who gets a blank check and writes a million dollars on it, and then he gets a million dollars. It's, it was trying to be Home Alone, but Home Alone if you worshipped money. Hooray, capitalism. Also, alright, the key thing about Save the Cat is, you know what the origin, I, I believe, the origin of the phrase, Save the Cat, like why he says Save the Cat is important. Like you see, you see the character save the cat, and then like you're on that character side. You know what he uses as the example? I don't remember. Ripley and Alien going back to save the cat. <sighs> the one thing an alien everyone fucking complains about, <laughs> and also it happens in the third act of the film. <laughs> I, I, that okay. One, everyone complaining about that is wrong. Yeah. Two. Uh, I, I also do remember that he uses Memento as an example of, like, what not to do. And it's like, I, I agree that you shouldn't try that, like, your first time out, maybe. But mm -hmm. also, like, it's not wrong. Like, it's very hard to come to a point where you can say, like, this is the wrong way to make a movie or a story. Because there's no right or wrong way. <laughs> there's well, really, a bunch of ways. Really, what those that, that book is about, it was basically... If you're Blake Snyder in the 90s, uh, you, this book will help you sell a screenplay, mm -hmm. which is all that really is about. It, 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 it's really more an insight to what studios are looking for rather than how to actually write a good screenplay. And now the common like turn of phrase is that it's, it's even more obsolete because it's not what studios are looking for. Yeah, yeah now it's like, now they don't, it's like is Aquaman in it or something like that? Like, they want a name character in it. So, like, they like we don't even give a fuck if there's a story. <laughs> we just want to put someone's name on it. And then stuff. And then here's seven things we need in a trailer. You really, you really, you need to go into a room and pitch a trailer, and that's what will get you a movie greenlit these days. And so it's like, it's gotten even worse <laughs> in the time being. But, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't understand. Like, really, I just, I don't. Because we're in a 
I guess it's just what happens if like you don't learn to read, but you're reading all the time. <laughs> you know? Like you're not gonna... I think there there's something to be said about like have you heard the term doom scrolling? Um, no. It's it's when you're on Twitter in twenty twenty and you're scrolling and you're like you're you're reading what you're seeing, but you're not like processing it, you know? You're just kinda of scrolling, yeah. waiting for something to catch your attention. I feel like that's kind of uh one, just our depressing reality, but two, also like how people sometimes approach these movies. That's why someone says The Last Jedi, nothing happens in it, mm-hmm. versus other popular blockbuster films where everything is happening at all times, every five minutes. And even yeah. though nothing of consequence happens, it's like, well, that did a lot at me. So that must mean it's doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It, it's all about, it's a, it's again, it's like consumption. And yeah, I think it also we, you put a little too much credit into these people who think that they might actually read a fucking book, because I think a big problem is that m- movies now are about not ending when you leave the theater. It's about as soon as it's over, you can go online and find like fifty videos talking about it, you know. And so like now you're doing the participation after the movie's even over, so then you can internalize a point, and then that'll be your opinion for the rest of your life. What the ending of Rise of Skywalker really meant. Yeah, yeah, all that shit. And also, it's like, man, I went, I, I was like, think, I watched The Irishman the other day. I didn't really watch it, I just had it on in the background. But I, I went on YouTube, and like, I, I had like some perverse like curiosity about like what people were saying about The Irishman on YouTube. And other than those guys who just like stare into a camera and go like, I thought some parts were eh, but I thought some other parts were eh, you know, those guys. <laughs> but there was, like, all these, like, the Irishman ending explained videos, and I decided to watch them, and it's, like, it, first of all, it's either, like, they were either, A, they just retold the entire plot of the movie, right? <laughs> and then it goes, like, he leaves the door open because Jimmy Hoffa used to leave the door open. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. And then the others are videos about whether or not uh, the real Frank Sheeran was lying or telling the truth about killing it, Hoffa. Isn't like, that the... It, it, it's just the point of the movie. The, yeah. the movie does it for you. It's you just, just like, how do you... How, how? There's like no discussion about any character motivation in it at all. <laughs> like anything. <laughs> like even like a very surface level reading of that movie, which is like about De Niro's character and how indecisive he is. You know, like, he, he's a character that basically makes no decisions his whole life. And he, like, can't deal with that reality of decisions, which is also, like, an extension of him not being able to deal with the consequences of his actions. It's, like, not discussed as all, at all. And I even saw one video that had the fucking gall to point out the opening shot of that movie when they, they do the zoom up when they're coming around to De Niro... You can see he's wearing the gold watch and the ring that was given to him, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like the perfect visual illustration of how he has like the foot in both worlds, and it's like right there in the opening. And it's like the whole his whole problem is that you can't do that. You can't be doing both things, but he can't choose between them. And that's the whole fucking movie. And like that's not even the guy's just like, see, that's the watch Hoffa gave him, <laughs> showing that he still remembers Hoffa. And it's like, no. 
And you know what? I'll even give them a little credit and say, like, okay, that you can say that, but that's not, like, it's not just there for that. You yeah. Know? It's a like, movie say things. Or, like, it's, I don't hear any discussion. Like, not to make this whole thing about the Irishman, which is fucking terrific. Not that you need another straight man to tell you that. <laughs> but, like, but it is. And, like, no one talks about, like, the filmmaking and, like, the color timing changes throughout the film. Like, how they're, like, more significant to, like, specific eras that uh, Hoffa's, like, relitigating to the camera and the audience. And how, like, it gets, like, drier and, like less vibrant as it goes on and like using the camera techniques to explain a character's mindset well even like the people just said it's like goodfellas again yeah even like the worlds of hoffa and organized crime like they start to diverge in like visual patterns you know like Mm -hmm. you can kind of see like how they start becoming narratively incompatible (laughs) like which is just great and it's again it's like that's not not even discussed like not even mentioned like it's almost like they don't know movies are made on cameras i know i know it's and i know like we're doing this in the middle of the fucking like we keep relitigating this shit in the middle of the fucking avatar podcast and i know some people are probably just here for avatar but it's it's just this thing of like watching a kid's show lap multi-million dollar blockbuster films and also watching the show in its time, like, being elevated to this, like, point of worship, while also everyone learning all the wrong lessons from it. I think more than anything, that's why this is truly, like, the Star Wars of a next generation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you could take that original trilogy and, like, wow, look at all these new filmmaking techniques. Look at the story they've told and how they've told it with those new techniques. I want to do that again with other movies. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, you you don't get it, you know? Everyone everyone just thought Han Solo was cool. Mm-hmm. I think this is the show that, the like, the wrong lessons people learned were, like, shipping. And not, like, that I'm against shipping or anything, but a big obsession in fandom communities is who's ending up with who, right? And mm-hmm. I think that went mainstream with Last Airbender. And then I think, like, stuff like Redemption Arcs also went mainstream, because that seems to be a more popular thing these days. Yeah, um, and, and to give credit, that was that was pretty popular, like, in anime stuff yeah. already, right? Yeah, I want to say it definitely, uh, anime definitely was doing this long before Western television, but I think this is just where it suddenly became something that everyone did. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're not going to see a Joker Redemption Arc on the Batman animated series, <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, maybe if you made it now, you would see... I mean, now it's like, you know, we kind of pass it off like Harley Quinn's now kind of like a hero character. Mm-hmm. And she went from being more of a straight villain to someone who now is an anti-hero, which is a step in a direction that you probably just wouldn't see in the era Harley Quinn was created. But again, now we get we get, we get get all these series now where it's like characters just get redeemed... And it's like, but they don't actually go through anything, which is something that this show, which we will get to, definitely like gets insanely right, <laughs> of like what that character really has to go through to actually change as a person. <laughs> Whereas now it's like, oh, they change now because that's what has to happen in the plot. Like we're at the point where the person would now change, so let's have them change. Or 
what's really bad, not even just that it has to happen because that's what the writers want to happen in the plot. I, usually, like, my, like, negative reaction to stuff like that is so obviously precipit, 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 precipitated. Precipitated. Pre- precipitated. <laughs> precipitated. There we go. Fuck yeah. Pre- precipitation, condensation, evaporation. <laughs> precipitated by obvious reaction to fans being like, wouldn't it be great if the bad boy turned into a nice boy? Mm-hmm. You know? And like, look, I love me some Loki in in the Marvel stuff, but the first Avengers has some obvious Hitler parallels with him. And then in Thor Ragnarok, a movie I love, he's a little too buddy-buddy. But whatever, whatever. That's, that's I, probably I would, a conversation for a different time. I would argue Loki's actually one of the better one, done ones. Um, in a, in a kind of tragic way, but that's a, again, that you're right. That's a, that's a whole other discussion, but I think I always think more of, I love, I want to make clear. I love that character as much as I'm frustrated with the route that I'm frustrated with a lot of that, obviously, but But like the the Marvel universe is like the antithesis of good storytelling. Like it's just, you can't do it in the way those movies are made. So it's like, even if they tried, they wouldn't, (laughs) but to me, I always think of, because I also think those decisions are made for marketing reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I, the one I always think about is how uh, the one character from The Walking Dead was racist when we first meet him. Oh, Merle, that's yeah, right. but then he became popular, so then he became less racist. And they just stopped talking about his racism. Yeah. And it, it no longer was a thing. Yeah, and not to, like, make it okay to have characters that are just racist in fiction, you know, like... I, I th- it's just more impactful if you like have characters like address those very serious like thing like flaws with that character, right? Like yeah. doesn't that just make the story more compelling? Because like how we- do you like we need him to survive this battle, but also what do we do with him after? Because he's clearly not like fit to live in a society where people are equal. Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> But it's also like, that know. thing of we just don't know how to write those like any story about racism, really. And by oh, that that we, is also a big problem. By yeah, we, yeah. I mean white people, because yeah. it's always just like oh, there's the one bad racist, and if we expel the bad racist from society, there will no longer be racism. And it's That's honestly, literally what yeah. happened in that show. I mean, it's one of the few things that like you know like where the post-apocalyptic world of Mad Max it kind of gets right in a weird way. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Where it's like because like society doesn't exist anymore, so there's no longer the same class systems there used to be. <laughs> so like racism feels like a really easy thing those movies could lean into, and they don't. But you know, women would probably still be seen as a commodity by some people if you're a Morton Joe. <laughs> but stuff like sexuality seems to be a free for all in the wasteland <laughs> mm-hmm. be- because you know we no longer have a society enforcing those rigid rules but yeah just we don't like we just don't see how to write that kind of stuff and again it would be more interesting if you have a racist who suddenly do, like realizes all right i'm not racist anymore like they go through some journey or whatever but then how do you navigate a world because you know it's when you really when you come to terms with racism if you've ever had like bigot bigoted thoughts or like issues it's not coming to terms with, like, oh, maybe I should... Like, I've never had a moment in my life where I thought another person of a different race was a lesser human being than me. 
But I also spent a huge chunk of my life being blind to a lot of the systems that oppress other people and don't oppress me. Like, that's the difference. And a real arc is someone realizing that those systems exist, you know? Mm-hmm. And then how hard it is to now try to fight that as, you know, an ally and trying to help people or something. That's that's a more interesting story, but we don't write any stories like that. Yeah, but to the, uh, the credit, further credit of Avatar The Last Airbender, while not explicitly about race, there is a lot of class-like issues that are addressed primarily in book two and really in the back half of book two, uh, which we're about to get to right now. Yes. And uh, do you have any other thoughts on the desert before you move on? Or um, it's scary seeing Aang get scary. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's uh, actually genuinely uncomfortable. I, I almost feel yeah, it's very upsetting. Like, and it's which is a word I a, keep using for book two. They should just instead of book two Earth, it should have just been book two upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> is this a perfect season of television? Um, well, so we will far. see. I, I, I have liked everything so far. It is, uh, yeah, so far, so far. I don't want to play cards too early. Because um, I, I, I'm still kind of, like, slowly rewatching it. It's been a while. And it's one of those things where anything, anything I haven't watched in, like, six months, I feel like if I watch it again, I would view it very differently. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So, but right now, no, it's no, like, totally. this has all been pretty, pretty outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's just, and, it's, uh, it's frightening to see Aang, you know, and he's really, what he's really dealing with the loss of Appa is like, he's never really confronted, uh, the trauma he's been going through since the beginning of this series, you know, he's, but he's carrying a lot of weight on his shoulders and Appa's, Appa getting taken is just like the last straw. Yeah, it's his breaking point. And I, I gotta be honest, last time I saw it, last couple times, cause again, I've seen a lot of these episodes a lot. Um, but when, at the end, when, when Sokka is telling the sandbenders to, like, you know, get away, like, you can't do anything, he's, like, he'll, Aang will kill them if they stay, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, for a moment there, he's completely giving in to his anger, frustration, and, and trauma. And, uh, and then Katara, you know, grabs his hand and just, he, he, like, falls into her arms. And it is just brutal. And uh, I, I definitely got choked up actually watching it this last time. That was really touching and uh, pretty harsh. And I, I really felt for, for this little cartoon boy. Oh, yeah. uh, terrific episode and t- terrific ending. And uh, also Zuko plays second fiddle to Uncle with his old friends oh, yeah, that's in the back room. That's always <laughs> yeah. great. Z- yeah, <laughs> Zuko's arc in this season really is kind of just being a dope, which well he he's he's a genuine like asshole at the beginning of it still. Yeah, yeah. Like he steals that family's ostrich horse, and they're like, well, they're gonna show us a little more kindness, and it is just like, fuck, dude, like you've learned nothing, and now he's just like playing hide and seek with Uncle in a flower pot <laughs> to, to get away from some bounty hunters. <laughs> Which is, I love it. I love it. Um, it's great, but yeah. But where they get a where they get away too is in the next episode, uh, the Serpent's Pass. Now, do you remember when this episode first aired? Yes, because it was a two parter. Yeah, it's a two parter with the drill, mm-hmm. uh, and there. This is the episode 
or the drill at least, is the episode where everyone said, oh, J.J. Abrams wrote it because it was on IMDb. And then everyone, who, like, on Abrams' team was like, what the fuck do you guys, like, what? No, he what? didn't. <laughs> yeah. When did that happen? I have no memory of this. When no, 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 it was a whole, th- it was a whole thing. Oh, uh, wow. It might even still be on there that J.J. Abrams wrote the drill or did a story treatment for it or something like that. And everyone, like, in the actual behind the scenes is like, no, we don't know how that got out there. Like, that's, that's not a thing. <laughs> that's strange. I've never heard of that. Yeah, no, it's very strange. Um, but we'll, we'll get to the journal in a second. But the Serpent's Pass, uh, I was super excited because I was like, all right, they're going to find Appa. And I was so excited to see Appa again. And uh, they, they don't do that right away. And that's totally fine. That's totally fine. Uh, but the first time I saw it, I remember being pretty bored apart from running back into Suki, uh, a character I really like. But what did you think about The Serpent's Pass? Um, are you saying first time you watched it, you were bored, or this time you watched it, you were bored? The first time I watched it, I was bored. I won't say what I thought about it right now. Um, no, I like this. I mean, this episode is definitely an episode where it feels more like they're, they're like, how do you say? Well, because it was a two-parter, so like I have to kind of view it in that way now. But uh, it's a lot of, you know, how do I say it? A lot of guns being placed on walls that you know are going to go off. Mm-hmm. That's really what this episode feels like, because like we oh we run into Suki again, oh uh, we also run into Jet and and his Freedom Fighters again. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of like stuff like that that keeps happening, and some of it does go off within the two parter. Others don't come back until a little later, but um, it's kind of like catching up. It's it's this weird. It's almost like we're passing into the next chapter of the story. Hey. No, that's yeah, that's literally what what it is. Hey. Also, it's this weird problem where it's like if they had Appa, they would not have this problem. Mm-hmm. It's like they could just fly in. Yeah, may- the 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 pacing of this season is really really remarkable. <laughs> considering at season one, by this point, we were like, oh yeah, it is kind of like weird. Like some episodes were like, oh, this is the best one yet, and other ones were like. It's fine, but it's a little slow. Well, here's and, one. Let me. I'm thinking about what is that dumb episode that everyone hates about the pass or whatever. Um, not the pass, the uh, canyon. They have to the, go through the canyon. The, the Great Divide. The Great Divide. No one likes it. Yeah, um, which is fine. It's a fine episode. Just what, the ending's weird. What was the reasoning behind not just flying over it with Appa? Uh, they wanted to guide the people through it, but instead of going back and forth. They walked with them. Okay. And then Appa flew over the old and sick people. <laughs> All right. I, for, I I just, it was weird looking back and being like, yeah, they could have just avoided that whole story. <laughs> yeah, they, they could have just brought people over one at a, like, uh, groups at a time, yeah. right? Like... Or they could have just left those dumbass people. <laughs> no, no, because he's <laughs> but, the avatar. He's yeah, he's the people. avatar. He's got to help by lying. <laughs> yeah, that's what fucks it up. Literally, that last scene is just like, wait, what? I don't know. I, you know, we're, I think I made my argument that I think that might be what makes the episode work. I don't know. I don't know. I, I still don't hate that episode. It's just yeah. like, fine. <laughs> the fortune teller is the one where I'm like, I still like that episode. I do not like. Yeah. Uh, they're, I still think they're like of comparable quality. Again, I don't think there's anything yeah. I've watched in this whole series, including the series we haven't gotten to, that I hate. You know, 
Yeah, of, yeah. I, I think the most of the dark days are behind us, is what I'll say. I don't know about that, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but for for this episode, um, so you liked it? The yes, I passed. liked it. Yeah, um, I liked it a lot, actually. Um, I, I'm not not loving it, and definitely not in a favorites category. But um, something about just revisiting the series uh, and revisiting characters, like literally in this one, is just kind of a nice like reprieve from like the utter like gut punches that have been the last couple episodes. Well, you remember how cool it was as a kid. Like this is just something that rarely happens these days. Um, for me, maybe I, I think it may just be the streaming age where, like, if I want to watch a show, I just watch the whole season. You know, but back in the day where it was like you had to wait, like, a week for every new episode, when a character showed up that hadn't, but like, that was only in, like, one previous episode, it was, like, a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, you were like, holy shit, it's Suki, you know? Like, I remember, like, that always used to yeah. excite me as a kid. Oh, no. I, I loved that. And then... Because I have more on that in a second. But also, like, just how good is this series at pairing up characters? Because even, like, the bounty hunters that are going after Toph, her earthbending instructor, and, like, the ringleader at the underground earth wrestling competition, <laughs> right? Like, that's just a hilarious, like, duo going after yeah. her. That's, a that's like, a Z plot in the series. Not even B or C plot. Like, bottom of the barrel side plot. Yeah, again, with and this, it's so entertaining. Yeah, with the t- the tightrope walk of this whole season, where it's just like there's so many little things going on, and they all start like at, catching up at different points. It's really well done. I mean, yeah. sometimes you see these shows where they will do something like that, where there will be like a, you know, um, some sort of thing where it's like, oh, when I see you next time, I'm gonna get you. But then like the show just never gets back to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's happened a few times, or if they do, it's like very brief. Whereas this, everything kind of builds on top of each other very nicely so jet comes back this episode yes jet everyone's favorite character jet everyone Uh, loves jet i like jet jet's cool he's an anime boy but he's cool i think i have a prejudice against anime boys (laughs) i i think you're not wrong to do so um but uh, the pairing of jet and zuko is like particularly inventive i think like again to go back to that like how they pair off characters and conflict like given where they both are in their life and they're both trying to change for the better Zuko less so he's just kind of trying to survive at this point but like it is it is so genius I want to hug whoever came up with this concept because it's like exactly what Zuko's story needs right now yeah I think um you are right about the pairings it's kind of nuts that they they just get it you know, it's, it's, I, I, I don't, like, I wish I could say something deeper, but, it, like, it just works, you know? Mm-hmm. To quote Todd Howard, it just works. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I never thought I'd hear him on this show. I, I don't, is that the right name? Is that his name? <laughs> that That's his name, yeah. Todd Howard of uh, Bethesda. Goddamn right, I'm going to buy the sixth version of Skyrim, and I'm going to love it. Suki! <laughs> Suki. Suki's favorite... great. You like Suki, right? I like Suki. Who doesn't like Suki? I don't know. You just fucking, don't like Jet that much. Fucking step up. <laughs> gonna throw down and you don't like Suki. <laughs> Suki. I called her Zuki. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> you're not about to reveal that you don't like Suki. No, 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 no. I, I love Suki. Goddamn right. Yeah, you know, I, I think I even said in the, on like her first episode that I, I wish she was in more of the series than... 
mm-hmm. than she was. Yeah, um, but, I think but she, she's in a good amount. But I, I just I like seeing that character a lot. I would know? agree, but it's also I, I would rather want more than have too much. You know. Yeah, I mean, always... she's some of these characters. You could just tell like it's pretty hard for them to wear out their welcome. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> they're just they're so well defined. Like immediately from the moment you meet them, yeah, uh, that like. Yeah, I don't you think kind of take them anywhere. I don't think there's a character that's like recurring that when they show up, I'm like, oh god, we got to spend time with this person again. Uh, like even Jet, not... who I'm not like in love with, is he? He totally wor- works in this story as a function. You know, like it'd be one thing if Jet showed up again and he was like, I'm gonna commit another terrorist act, and it's just his other episode again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which you feel like a lesser show would do that. You're like, and, oh no, Jet's gonna blow up the ship, and Azuko and yeah. Iroh have to stop him. That's the if he if he played the same foil that he did, and that would also that's I guess another thing that makes Suki's return great is because she's in this one, she's not with the war the Kyoshi Warriors, and it, this episode it's more about Sokka like being overprotective of her <laughs> because he you know his last girlfriend turned into the moon, and <laughs> that that would that would make that would be pretty rough for a guy. <laughs> Yeah. So it's him like trying to deal with that. Um and they frame the moon pretty well. That would fuck me up forever. Like I don't think I would get over <laughs> that, frankly. Well, it's pretty rough. It's, it, pretty... it's not I don't think it's something you can get over. And to the show's credit also, there's no like moment where Sokka's like, I could say goodbye to the moon now. Like, no, it's just it's a part of his life and like that's okay the show that shows that that's okay too. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, how do you, you, you can't lose a connection like that. I mean, not yeah. that, you know, we, we all understand what it's like for a loved one to become the moon. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the, the loss of a loved one. It, it's a very simple, like, like parable or metaphor, you know, like they're going to be with you for like all of your life. Yeah, it's just it's often not as literal as them being the actual moon, which yeah, is no, always no, no. right yeah. in the sky. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then uh, when when Suki and Sakura are about to kiss for the first time at night, you know, the moon's, like, right there, dead center. Just simple, effective framing. Sokka being like, ah, I can't because I lost someone when we went to the North Pole. And mm. she she doesn't press him, and he, he he's not ready to divulge all of that with her. Here, and um, it, it's really good. <laughs> it's just really good writing. Here's the thing. We don't know um, that Yue doesn't like being the moon. That's true. She could be doing fine. Yeah, she's just chilling. She could also be having a horrible experience. So I guess it's the not knowing. Oh my god! I don't that's, think that's hard to deal with. <laughs> I think spirits have a different functionality and like existence on our plane than uh than we do. Yeah, but it might be better to be the moon than to just be dead. I I, I guess I don't know. I think uh, life and death work differently in that universe. <laughs> You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this episode's really good, and they fight a giant sea monster, and and, they, and they Toph the... can't swim. Oh yeah, Toph can't swim, which is a great little moment. Oh yeah, um, and and then uh, Sokka's like, "I'll save you, Toph," and then Suki jumps in first. Oh Sokka, you saved me. Actually, it's me. Oh. Well, <laughs> you can go ahead and let me drown now. The baby gets born, too. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. and that we see that that little family, that little makeshift family in Zuko alone. Yeah. When he's about to rob them. And then also, uh, I won't say when, but we see them multiple times later in the series, too. I wonder how much they planned this season, specifically. This season, I think, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they were like, yeah, we had a lot of time for pre-production on season two. It's kind of like, I think it was season two of Breaking Bad, where they were like, we wrote the whole season at one time, like we weren't writing it as we were filming it, which is how they think they wrote the rest of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, but like, if you listen, if you read interviews with any of the writers, they were like, season two was the fucking worst writing experience because <laughs> it was so hard to write the whole show at once. So like, they never did it again. Mm-hmm. I just wonder how much of that was happening here, or if they're just. Or it's also like that thing where, like, Breaking Bad gets all this praise as like, man, they know how to bring everything back. Everything so like comes back in it, and then when you read interviews with Vince Gilligan, they were like, yeah, we didn't know what was going to happen in that episode. <laughs> and then someone like, suggested, you know, what if we did this that was set up in this episode? And they're like, oh, yeah, we could do that. And yeah, it, it's so great. It just shows, like, the beauty of, like, quality collaboration, like, creatively, you know? Yeah. There's no, like, secret magic trick. It's just like, hey, you got a good team together. Let's see if we could we could pull it together for this. And they did. You know, like, the big one, my favorite, not to make it about Breaking Bad right now, um, but, like, is the machine gun in season five. And everyone's like, whoa, what are they going to do with that? And they're like, yeah, when that aired, we had no idea. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are like the so, one where he, I think the ones where he leaves the the watch um, at that one place. And it was really just because one of the flash forwards shows he didn't have the watch. Mm-hmm. So like, he, that's the only reason why he leaves the watch. <laughs> like, there's no <laughs> narrative purpose for him to do it. But they had to keep some continuity. <laughs> Um, but yeah you just hope that uh, maybe the writer's room of Avatar The Last Airbender was not dominated by an asshole yeah I haven't haven't heard any stories about the writing of The Last Airbender but I have heard stories about other projects people have worked on Mm. so yeah yeah. You could maybe maybe they were lucky and that person didn't have an ego yet. Mm. Or maybe people It's always the thing where like now that you know that person's an asshole, you want to hope that all the brilliant stuff were people actively working against him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so but eh. Whatever. Mm. Fuck that. Uh, yeah, fuck him. But uh Fuck him. Aang also learns to um not only allow himself to grieve because in, in the beginning of this episode he starts cutting himself off so he doesn't have to to basically lose hope ever again and then by seeing a child be born it's like oh like life is beautiful and life is worth like connecting to still and he's revitalized in a search for appa the, the gang's all together suki leaves them again because she only wanted to make sure Sokka and the the group got across safely and now she's going to go have her own little journeys for a little while. Spoiler alert, she does come back. And then um, Aang sets off to Bossing Say to look for Appa and discovers there's a giant Fire Nation drill ready to break through the walls of the last Earth Kingdom stronghold in the world, led by Azula and her trio of women warrior no, members. I, I have to disagree with you there. Because there, there's no war in Bossing Say. 
Oh, right, so right, right. I, I think this is an independent drill. It was just it just happened to be going to Bossing Say, and Azula and her gang just happened to be there. Oh, the, okay. The war isn't in Bossing Say. It's all it, all, everything. I got I, I got to criticize this episode. There's a lot of pure coincidence in this episode. This episode was also one that I originally remembered being a lot slower. Really. Yeah. Which... I, I have such a vivid memory of watching this episode the first time, and I remember really enjoying it. No, I remember being like, oh, that's the worst one. Really? Yeah. That's which... kind of nuts. I know. I don't know what the fuck was wrong with me. Like, I'm not, just... you know, it, it's like the Serpent's Pass. I'm not in love with it, but I like it. I can, just, I can picture myself right now as a child just sitting on the edge of a bed watching this episode. Like, I just, I, it's stuck in my brain so much. And... I'm not even saying that it's, like, the greatest episode ever. It's just one that, like, really stuck out to me. Yeah, no, I remember this was, like, the big, like, comeback after, like, uh, a couple-month break, you know? I think and I remember really... them really hyping it up. It was, like, a little event, mm-hmm. honestly. They were really hyping that drill. Yeah. Man, that Appa thing happens, and then you have a whole episode without Appa, and then you have to skip months ahead before it's, like... You get to go like two months before the show came back. That's kind of nuts to look back. Yeah, on. that was that was rough. That was not easy to sit through. Mm. Uh, I like that the Earth King General is like a hack. Oh yeah, and an idiot. Well, I mean, I can't I can't really blame the guy. He's not. There's no war, so it's not like he has to be prepared. Yeah, but I mean, guy, the the few decision he has to make, you know, maybe he's maybe he's more of a bureaucrat type person. Hmm. But, you know, uh, can't, can't hold well, it against them too much. Yeah, because there's no war in Bossing Say. No war. Uh, and we, we do get to go more in-depth in the weeds with that kind of thinking in the rest of the season, which is something I really, really took to on this recent rewatch. But we'll, You know we'll, what this we'll episode we'll reminded me of? Star Trek. Owner. The Last Jedi. Because <laughs> they really? had that, oh, that yeah. battering ram cannon. I love the last Jedi, but that's that's so dumb. No, I love how dumb that is. <laughs> no, like I, I, lo- I don't. No, here's the thing. I love when he goes, a, it's a battering ram cannon. And then I hate when he goes, it's miniaturized Death Star tech. Oh, that that is extra dumb. That's the one but... thing I don't like. But I love that there's just a dumb fucking thing called a battering ram cannon. I don't know. The, death, the miniaturized Death Star tech is just like... But remember, they called AT-ATs in the movie Imperial Walkers because they're Imperial vehicles that walk. Is Star Wars dumb? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I hate to break it to everyone out there. Star Wars is incredibly dumb. But that's why Wait. it's great. Wait, what do you mean it's not real? Um, but th- this actually reminds you of The Last Jedi. You were being serious? Yeah, well, no, I was literally just because of the battering ram cannon. Oh, okay. Like, I thought that was, that was like some it clever. Just, it made me think of that. This is a little more clever though than that, which is that they like actually have to go into the cannon and try and destroy it from the inside. There's a uh, grammatical error on uh, the Wikipedia page for the description of this episode because it says battling Azula Mai and Tai Lee. So it sounds like there's a character named Azula Mai and then a character named Tai Lee. <laughs> So, missing a comma, buddy. Well, it, it's a fun fight. 
fix it. Yeah, no, the, I, their their fights are always very dynamic, and it's just Azula is just like it's just it's funny watching um, Mai and Ty Lee fight because like they put up a strong fight, but they're like not trying to kill them. Yeah, they're like it, they're not committed to doing war crimes. They just kind of are. Yeah. Like I said, like it, it, they think they're on the adventure that Team Avatar is actually on. <laughs> <laughs> they think they're the heroes, and meanwhile, they're actually the villains. Whereas Azula you know, seems to be like, like she knows she's the bad guy almost. Yeah, and she like loves it. It goes for the kill every time. Yeah, you know we've had that conversation about like. How there should probably be some empathy extended to her from like at least some of the characters in some mm. capacity, uh, but she is still just like a really great villain. Yes, you know. I do like that they, uh, them climbing into the drill and like slowly trying to take it apart from inside. Yeah, yeah, it really makes him use like their their wit and intelligence and Sokka being like a dope, but also having like a really clear battle plan like he's he's intelligent but he's also basically operating on one brain cell well that seems to be the thing with Sokka where he has ideas and like as the series goes on his ideas get progressively better yeah like his brain cell gets stronger yeah the one (laughs) (laughs) that's a little harsh (laughs) I mean I love Sokka but you know Whoa. He drank cactus juice that made him high, and then immediately ate, like, some honey fungus off a wall. Well, alright, yeah. I guess I guess I see your point. Yeah. But uh, Ty Lee likes him, which oh, I yeah, think is another like, funny recurring gag. It's like Sokka's like this ladies' man. I know, it's... Like, I don't get it, but I think this makes it funnier, too. No, I think, it, I, I think it's funny. I think it works. I don't know, I love it. He's just naturally handsome to the people of this universe, I guess. Um, that then you talk to him and he can't put a sentence together. <laughs> That's a little harsh. Sokka's a good boy. I love Sokka. No, it's a solid episode. Both these episodes are solid, and both these episodes have them facing off against either giant monsters or giant mechanized machines. Yep. Which I like. And the other subplot, we have uh, Zuko and Iroh. They're still hanging with Jet and his freedom fighters. Oh yeah, and they they um in the last episode they did some Robin Hood shit together, which was oh, yeah. really fun. Again, these episodes kind of blend for me just because of the two parter nature and because I watch them both together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and um, there's also this hint that like they're trying to put their life as terrorists behind them, <laughs> which is a good thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you know, terrorism. Better than bad. terrorism is pretty much bad. Pretty much helping people good. You yeah, know, I mean, it is an evolution of where we saw them last for these B level characters. You know what I think would maybe be a bad thing for society to do to call to treat terrorism and someone acting like Robin Hood as terrorism. If you mm. equate the two things, I think it might in- incentivize people to behave a certain way. Hmm. If everything. Starts getting labeled as terrorism. Because then it's like, well, <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> we should abolish the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, yes. Thankfully, the ACLU just called for it yesterday. Oh, really? I completely <laughs> missed that in the nightmare hell world that we live in. Yeah. Well, I mean, the ACLU is always like, you know, we will send you a letter telling you we're angry. 
and you know they do a lot of great work but there's also a lot of like we'll see you in court but then the courts are all fucked <laughs> yeah 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 pro pro aclu also understand the reality of the world we live in i guess i understand i, I understand also the aclu is a controversial organization for a lot of reasons but mm-hmm. um there still seem to be one of the few organizations that's actually putting up a good fight in a lot of places mm-hmm. so uh, oh you, uh so you no, take what you get <laughs> there, there you go but um back to the real important subject matter this at is hand. the only avatar podcast where you will see a discussion of the aclu <laughs> <laughs> uh iro firebends some tea because it's cold and nasty and jet sees him and is immediately like reverts back into terrorist mode basically I know. it's kind of sad because it's this thing where it's like he is he's right but he's also not you know like it's mm-hmm. it's this really good moment where he, he starts becoming paranoid but he's entirely justified in his paranoia but no one believes him and no one will help him and he's also it, you know going after guys who aren't actually like the overt villains of the story yeah not to, not, not to say that zuko and iroh have earned not being arrested if they were caught <laughs> which frankly i think is maybe something that should happen <laughs> but also that jet doesn't know how to handle these things well yeah i mean you know they had to become child soldiers to survive basically and you know like yeah. he, he we, we talked about it in the episode where he first appeared where he does take it too far where murdering women and children is probably just you know you're crossing a line there yeah. uh pulling <laughs> a town isn't a good thing to do yeah but like his war against the fire nation was not the wrong cause you know yeah. and that like him reverting to this uh it in a way, it's also just, like, sad because that's... He's still that scared little kid, you know? And, like, he can't break free of that. It is nuts, like, again, watching the show where you have to kind of keep reminding yourself that all these people are supposed to be, like, 14 and 15. I know, I know. Right. And I guess that's just, like, a kid show thing. It's, it's totally you know, anime. Yeah, but it's also, like... I remember when I was a kid and I was, like, 8, and I, I looked at, like, people who were 15 as being like generations older than me and, and now i'm <laughs> in my mid tw- i'm in my mid-20s and i'm like holy shit what like there's really like much more of a similarity between an eight-year-old and a 15-year-old i know than, than you really <laughs> want to think. but yeah oh also i got a nitpick with this oh so in, oh. This, in this episode we see um a long shot and Smellerby, two of Jet's uh, freedom fighters. But where are Pipsqueak and the Duke? You gotta imagine they should all just, be together. You gotta imagine they're just doing good work. I hope so, because the last time we saw Pipsqueak and the Duke, they were up in their trees getting those lychee nuts. I'm the only one that remembers these small little details. <laughs> that's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good one. You could just be making that up, though, because I don't... No, no, that, that's all it. real. But um, I'm sure nothing bad befell them. But here's something. They uh, they had to remind everyone that uh, Smellerby is a girl, 
Was that not firmly established at one point? I don't remember. That I don't remember. Like I, Although, I, I, I could tell you the amount of leachy nuts that uh, Pipsqueak had with him. That's interesting. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it was the, it was a thing of, I feel like maybe everyone walked away from that her first appearance being like, oh, that young boy. And then like, no, Smellerby's a girl. There's actually a moment where she's like upset because she was called a guy. And then, uh, oh God, what's his name? The silent Hero. one. Long no, shot. Long shot um, just does his silent thing. And she's like, you're right. I should just be more calm with who I am, like, and accept myself and not let other people judge me and just be more in touch with who I am. And there's almost a statement about misgendering in there. I don't want to give it too much credit. No, okay. I, I Very Kyoshi Warriors vibes yeah. is what I'll say. Like, it's, it's there, but... It's only there in the moment. So I, I, I'm, I'm cool with not giving them, like, a bunch of credit for it. But also, I, you know, it, it, I, I think it is there. <laughs> I don't want to, like, I, I'm really not in a position to give, like, a like trans narrative to this series. But there's something going on here. <laughs> you know? Because it just yeah, keeps, I, ha- I, it I, keeps I, happening. <laughs> I, I think there's there's got to be some intention there. But again, yeah, like, I, I don't think we're... Either of us are in a position to, to declare that. For, yeah, like I, I, I really I don't feel friends. confident to you know be like yeah trans icons the Avatar whatever, but yeah no if I just, ever say that me uh, a heterosexual man um shoot me because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> well, I, you know I'm just saying like I I if well if I felt confident enough I would say it, you know but but that would it would have to be much more overt. <laughs> Is all I'm saying, but it's it's just it's it's weird that it maybe again maybe it's just me looking back in 2020 because again when I when I watched this show I did not have any understanding of that of transgender identity or anything like that or non-binary non-binary gender and so maybe it's just me as an older person looking back and like in like forcing it onto the show, <laughs> but man it like every time it happens I'm like. Wait a minute. <laughs> like, I, I jump ahead more to Steven Universe, which has like a lot more of that and is much more overt about it. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know. It, it just... I would like some... If, if there's some confirmation out there that they were trying to sneak something in about gender beyond just like, hey, girls can be boys and boys can be girls, you know, like the, the more simplistic version of it. But... I would like. I would be very interested if there's a reading out there um, that goes deeper on that. I think the producers have an email. Do you think they check their emails or even respond to them? They, they probably did at one point, and the fa- I, I'm willing to bet that at a certain point they stopped. Mm, I could see that because <laughs> uh, they maybe got a point where it wasn't as fun getting fan email. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I could see that. But uh, speaking of upset. Jet is that. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, I just I really like the uh, that he it, the the tell is such a minor thing, but also it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where it's just, like all it was was Iroh heating his coffee. But maybe Uncle Iroh should have been like tea. a tea tea. But maybe Iroh should have been like, damn, this coffee's so cold. 
and then suddenly it's warm. Well, he he does do that. No, that's what I mean. Oh. He shouldn't have done that. Because he was like, like, don't call attention to it and then heat it, buddy. And that's how Zuko's like, you know, you're, you're a smart old man in a lot of ways, but this is the dumbest thing you've done yet. And that includes getting captured in a hot tub. Solid, solid pairing of episodes there. And um, we, we don't... What, what is the conclusion with Aang, Sokka, Katara, and Toph? They're just like, yeah, we did it, right? Like, that's kind of it? Mm-hmm. I and think. And then uh, they, they, they say Team Avatar. They get, like, an Avatar team name. Oh, yeah, they start, they, they start making the joke about, what should our name be? They're like, Boomerang Squad. <laughs> Sorry, like, that's actually funny to me still. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's funny. Yeah, Uh-oh. and then the, the next episode... City of Walls and Secrets. I can't imagine what that's about. They actually see for the first time uh, the length and width of Bossing Say, and it's basically like a small country. It's, uh, it's this big, big city. There's lots of farms. It kind of reminds me of uh, later um, when. Uh, did you ever watch Attack on Titan or whatever that show was called? Oh my god, that's exactly what it's like. And I, I saw the first season on Netflix, and I was like, hey, I, I kind of like this. And then I found out things about the creator. Same. That. Yeah. Uh, I made it about five episodes, and it was solid, but I also was like, all right, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Wasn't, it was solid, but not, like, solid enough to be like, I should keep going in spite of these things. We also meet the character Judy, who uh, is, a, is a very a great, noble person, and the, the team avatar is just being this real downer to her. Just su- they keep suggesting that there's a war in Bossing Say, but there's just we just n- there's no war. They just won't listen to Judy, who's just doing her job. Um, apparently, for the inspiration for the Judy character came from uh, North Korea. <laughs> really? Because if you're a visitor to North Korea, you have to have a cultural um, person with you at all times. Hmm, that's interesting. Interesting. Why do you think that is? I mean, I think, I, I think Judy's just doing her job. And, you know, she's trying to help. She's, like, she loves her city. She loves her town, which is a rare thing these days. Um, but in North Korea, it's, you know, to make sure you're not saying anything that isn't true. It just is, like, an example to be, like, saying there is a war in Bossing Say. Why would you say that? They're very, well, there very clearly isn't a war in Bossing Say. I, okay. I was using that as an example of something that's not true. Okay, because it kind of sounded like you were leaning towards it being true. I mean, I definitely wouldn't say that on a podcast. Or in my private life, either. Uh, you know, a... these, these things blend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes it can be a little difficult when, you know... There's a third person while you're recording, listening in to everything you're saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally, totally. I'm not complaining about the third person, I want to make clear. Just, it can it can make keeping your story straight a little complicated. Why would you need to keep your story straight? You know, just so they understand where I'm coming from more clearly. Okay, And not, okay. you know, assume things. Well, this episode was also directed by Lauren McMullen. Um, this episode's also kind of got... I wanted to say more conspiracy thriller vibes, and I don't 
I don't think the show has really dabbled in that before. It's been like more fantasy adventure based. And so this is kind of like one of the first big narrative shifts the series will take uh, heading into basically the second half of its lifetime. Well, it's this because Bossing City at this point has been the city that they just kind of talk about. And we but we haven't seen yet. Now it's like you get there and it's maybe not what it has cracked up to be. It's you know? it's an it's hmm, how do I put this? It's the flip side of the coin to the Fire Nation, where that the Fire Nation talks about how great they are, and everyone else is kind of just like petrified of them. Uh, I mean that's that's like a really simplistic version of what's going on there, but that's you know that's basically the core conflict of the series. And Bossing say where they think is going to be kind of a safe haven turns out to be a little more rigid in its structures. Because there's no yes. Warren Bossing say, of course, that they have to keep order and their cultural history and heritage needs to be at the forefront of it. So there's, God be, forbid, a war break out. Yeah, so there needs to be a semblance of peace in those systems that they've maneuvered and that we see in the train ride into Bossing say that the lower regions of the city are literally, you know, it's, it's very obvious that it's a metaphor for, for class, you know, like the lower yeah. class citizens kind of have to struggle to survive. Basically uncle Iroh and Zuko have to find work in a tea shop. And like immediately you could see that the, the place around them is, is not that well kept. And then the middle sex in the city is like, you know, things are looking better. And then the upper ring is for like the royalty politicians uh, generals. Yeah, it's it's literally like a it's a tiered city. Like the classes are literally divided by walls. Yeah. <laughs> walls is a metaphor. Can't imagine how that would have any relevance today. Hmm. Whatever do you mean? I think the walls are keeping us in. There's no war in the United States of America. <laughs> Not to make it There's all no... Harry Potter and shit with the metaphors, but there's no police problem in the United States. That's basically what some people want to treat it as. I mean, yeah. Good thing torture isn't legal. I always just gotta, I always gotta get that in. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I know, I know. Uh, there's this funny bit of the episode though where Toph basically has to like figure out how to make these people like acceptable to high society, and she's like, Guitar could probably pull it off, but Aang and Sokka might be lucky if they pull off like bus boys <laughs> they share a brain cell basically yeah not wrong <laughs> yeah yeah um and we're also introduced to uh, a long fang voiced by clancy brown who is also yeah. white and not a person of asian heritage yeah but he's also mr crab so there's some there's good in the bad i <laughs> 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 He's also he's Sergeant Zim in uh, Starship Troopers. He's also Lex Luthor for the DC fans out there in the animated I will say universe. Though, we also have a uh, Lauren Tom as Judy. Who is that? Great Lauren Tom. You know who Lauren Tom is? I don't think I do. Um, she's uh, what's her name? Amy Wong on Futurama. Oh, okay. Um, she's pretty great. She's done a ton of shit. Um, she's. I think she does Gizmo on the Teen Titans show. Whoa. Gizmo or Jinx. I can't remember which one. But 
Yeah, she does voices. She's a good voice actress. Yeah, pops she's, up she's, and shit yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. There was one movie she popped up in, and I can't remember what it was now. And I wish I did because this episode was nominated for a primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Animated Program. Good for them. I feel like the next episode might have been the one that should have gotten the nomination. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. Um, at least in terms of like how they kind of experiment with like the whole form, but we'll we'll get there. <laughs> Because I think I think you can legally only nominate. I mean, not legally, uh, <laughs> by the the rules of the uh, the academy or whatever fucking uh, the Emmy rules. They you can only nominate one episode from your show. I think that's the rule. That's stupid. Am I wrong? Probably. I but <laughs> and also. Jet and Zuko throw down in a tea shop because Jet is still convinced that Zuko and Iroh are firebenders, and he's not wrong. But yeah, um, he causes a, a, a disturbance and is arrested by the Dai Li. Yeah, the Dai Li, who are the cultural authority of Bossing Say, established by Avatar Kyoshi. Oh no, is Avatar Kyoshi a fascist? <laughs> hey, you know she had shit to deal with. I think it's that thing of like you know. Maybe when we started police departments, we didn't intend for them to become the way they did. Or maybe we totally did. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, like, you, you you know the history of the sheriff star, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's okay. like, but, you know, I think even then people were like, I don't see this snowballing into a thing where it can affect white people. <laughs> and it did, of course. Avatar Kyoshi's like, I don't see how the Dai Li will ever affect an Avatar's life. Although, although I th- I literally think she established the Dai Li to stop a peasant uprising. Oh, no. But that could mean anything. You know? <laughs> it's pretty specifically. Hey. <laughs> oh, hey. no. Hey, George Washington put down the Whiskey Rebellion, and that guy never did anything wrong. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow, I did not know that about Avatar Kyoshi and the Dai Li. I think I read that, like, last week. So I could be getting, like, half these facts wrong, but... Okay, uh, if you're wrong, and I hope you are, this will just be a funny diversion. If you're right, this will be a funny diversion still, but I'll be a little more sad about it. The Dai Li is the secretive and elite police force of Ba Sing Se who work to capture, interrogate, and imprison political dissidents. I don't remember them doing that, but hey. Uh, The organization was founded by Avatar Kyoshi with the aim of protecting the cultural heritage of Ba Sing Se, effectively protecting the Earth King's interests against subversive individuals and groups. Kyoshi trained the initial members of the Dai Li in response to a peasant uprising. Mm, yeah, this isn't great PR for her. Yeah, well, hey, I don't know what, what they were uprising against. Maybe they were racist. <laughs> I, I guess. I, I, I think you're grasping at straws here. Oh, it was Chin. Oh, no, it was Chin the Conqueror, the good guy? <laughs> Well, it says, uh, I'm on the wiki now, um, due to the 46th Earth King's lack of popularity, a highly capable warlord from the northwestern Earth Kingdom, Shin, was able to launch a military campaign, plunging the entire Earth Kingdom into civil war. 
Only Kyoshi's Peninsula and Bossing Say remained under the Earth King's dominion. Want some fun backstory? So maybe it's like the thing where, like, yeah, the Earth King sucks, but he's not Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> and then Chin's Hitler. Okay, that makes her better, I guess. Well, see, I ordered the the. I don't even know if they're in the Kyoshi books, but I did order them because I would like to read them. Yeah, but uh, because the Avatar and his gang of hooligans have caused too much uh, disturbance in Bossing Say, um, they will now be monitored twenty four seven by the Daily. And because Jet mm. also caused too much of a disturbance in his first appearance in Bossing Say. He also needed to go into a re-education program at a Lake Laogai, where he was personally invited to by the Earth King. Yes. They just they brought him to a room. They just tried to calmly explain to him that there's no war in Bossing Say. As so, a you know, light they, began uh, roving around in circular motion in the room. You know, just to keep keep the people entertained, but you know, just you know, make it very clear there's just no war. And, uh, at all yeah of course of course not <laughs> ever and uh and you know and uh you know uh clancy brown had to make it clear to avatar the avatar team that there's just no war and he shut that shit down so he's a hero great man <laughs> and uh he mentions that he knows the avatar is looking for his bison and it would be a shame if he was unable to complete his quest and that they had to put in a one month deferral or something like that to get an audience with the Earth King so they could start looking for Appa, basically. But a bunch of red tape shit. And uh, yeah. the Tales of Bossing Say is an infamous episode. Or I guess famous, not not infamous. Infamous is bad. Famous is good. And this episode is famous for basically being like a set of really quality short stories and one that is just like a destructive emotional gut punch that leaves... No person standing without uh, some teary eyes in place. You're talking about the tale of Sokka. Tale of Sokka was written by Lauren McMullen. Oh, really? It, yeah. Okay. So, I, I, I like that. I like all of these a lot. Um, so it's okay now that he slapped his butt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Obviously. Oh no, he was being a he was being an oaf. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 He 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 gets a little high on his own supply and. The short acknowledges that because then the security guard throws him out the door. Because he can't do a haiku correctly. Yeah. Uh, that's six syllables there, bud. Like, like, why is that person in a haiku club? Yeah. I just love that they, like, the whole crowd just turns on him because he can't do a fucking haiku. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's funny. But then it is also, like, insightful into, like, the cultural, like, discrepancies of bossing say too you know it's like such pedantic bullshit that like Bunch of hoity-toity fucks yeah i mean it, that's really what it is this is kind of like it's an excuse for the writers to stretch their short story muscles but also like we're getting glimpses into like the class disparities across bossing say you know who would do great in bossing say i i genuinely have no idea what you're gonna say so I, I don't Lieutenant know. Columbo of the San Francisco oh Police Department. You know what? In hindsight, that makes perfect sense that you'd say that. <laughs> hey, he's always bringing down rich hoity-toity assholes. Mm. It, it worked out perfect here. Yeah, Long Fang, uh, one more thing. One more thing. You said you were in the room when... <laughs> <laughs> he's always got some fucking bullshit. 
You said there was no war on Bossing Day, but uh, <laughs> how do you explain <laughs> this? Yeah, but listen, the, the, hey, I, I don't disagree with Columbo often, but he was wrong that time. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I think the, the one everyone walks away from uh, this episode. Well, no, let's let's go through each story in order, even though we just did suck. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, the tale of Toph and Katara, where it, basically it's it's ladies' night, girls' and, day. Yeah, there you go, girls' yeah, day, girls' day, girls' trip. Because because Toph looks exactly like I do when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think watching this, I was like, because I kind of had a moment where I said, I, I blurted out that Toph was my favorite character, and I was even surprised when I said it, because I was like, I haven't really thought about that in a while. And then rewatching it, I'm like, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Do you also wake <laughs> up with look... a healthy coating of Earth? Oh, of course. Okay. You know what? I got it. I fucking, I vacuum and dust, like, <laughs> every week, and there's so much fucking dust in my room. I don't know why. <laughs> There's something wrong. <laughs> Anyone who knows about dust, help me. <laughs> oh, but this is it's just a nice little short story about them um, getting to ha- have a nice relaxing day off. Because every episode in this takes place over the course of the month while they're waiting to hear back about their request for the Earth King's audience, basically. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. A, there's a good moment where it's like, because Toph's kind of like a, a tomboyish character. And at first she's like, she's like oh, I don't need this bullshit ladies day whatever but then like she's enjoying it and whatever um and they have a good time but then they get mocked by three girls who uh promptly get thrown into a river no they get dropped thought... into a river and katara washes them downstream screaming at the top of their lungs and then we just cut to them being like you know tough it's okay like like whoa <laughs> yeah they're sent sent screaming down a river <laughs> thus always to tyrants <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty fantastic. But, but there's a moment where it's like, Toph's like, it's that thing where it's like, you can maybe see why she fought against femininity, just not even just because she looks down on it as like a weak thing, but because she feels like she could never reach that ideal that people have of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Which you see a lot, like girls struggle with from time to time, where it's just... You, it, it's, it also turns into, like, a weird, like, internalized misogyny thing where you start looking down at girlish stuff because, you know, only, like, a very select few of us can reach the incredible standards that a lot of women are put under in terms of appearance. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, there's, like, barely any standards for a guy. <laughs> you just have to not smell. <laughs> and you'll be all right. Yeah, some moderately, like, accessible hygiene, and you'll probably Yeah, and even then... Okay. Even then, you'll find guys online arguing that they should be allowed to smell. <laughs> yeah, it, ugh, fucking. <laughs> Which is just, like, ridiculous. And it's just, like, it's a, it's a sad little moment, because, like, it, there's always that thing with, when you're trying to do tomboy characters, it's almost like you're copying the idea that you think, like, femininity is a weakness. Which just isn't true. And this is, it's a kind of good moment where she can, like, be like, I, I get it, you know? <laughs> She's not shitting on it as much. That's a nice little vignette. Again, there's all these like little vignettes in these episodes. It's almost like that episode of The Simpsons. Where it's like 42 short stories about Springfield or something. I don't think I saw that one. Well, that's a great one. It's one of like the classics where it's just... It's literally like every character on the show gets like two minutes. Oh, that's they get, nice. Like, little little two-minute stories, and they all connect in some way. 
But then after the fun girls day, we get the tale of Iroh. Yeah, which was also dedicated to uh, the voice actor Mako, who had passed away at the time of this release. Yeah, he passed away, I think, just a few months before this episode aired. Yeah, um, and he had finished all of his book two work. Uh, there would be a new voice actor in book three, but uh, very, very sad that he was... Oh, uh, I believe one line is done by... It's uh, Greg Baldwin, right? Mm-hmm. I, I read that I think he did one line that Mako could not record. Oh, that's, uh, that's so sad. I didn't know it's that. The, it's, the, it's the scene with, uh, I think, when he's telling the kids to, like, admit their mistakes when they break the window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the guy's, like, going to kill him, and he's like, actually, sometimes it's better to run. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It's this, it's this episode where it's, like, it totally sneaks up on you if you don't see it coming. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's just Iroh like walking around town like dropping Iroh wisdom, you know. <laughs> it's like he just he helps out like like four different people in just like a minute. <laughs> it's like it's just like the average day for Iroh. Um, and then it sneaks up that he's actually what he's been doing is preparing to set up the portrait of his dead son. And uh, yeah, there's never a moment when I watch this where I don't tear up. Yeah, it, it, even, like, even I, just, like, thinking back on it right now, I'm like, hmm. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a little It's hard. It's, it's, I think I can talk about it, thankfully. It's not, like, spirited away where there's moments in that movie where if I talk about it, I will cry. Or the ending of Babe. <laughs> like, the two movies that no matter what, I'll cry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and it's, it's weird, because, like, I try to, like, figure out, like, what is it, like, why does it work every fucking time? Because, <laughs> like, even like, like when you, even if you try to be, like, cynical about it, it's like, it's a fucking cartoon <laughs> with, with magic and shit, and pe- these people don't exist. No one actually died. And there's no real-world example. <laughs> you know, like, if I watch a fictional movie about World War II, it's not, like, I can still be like, well, real people died in World War II. <laughs> it's like... And I think it's something about it being Iroh where it's like, it's... It's like the first time seeing your dad cry or something. Well, it's his whole it's the whole character. We, yeah. we, it's how we see him like on a basically daily basis in every episode and then at the end reveals like why he is the way he is now, you know? It's it's he's he's finally truly become like a better person and he's still always trying to be better and help others be better because he was not always a great person you know he you know we, we joke about him being a war criminal but he was doing genuinely awful things uh, and we'll learn that it, you know there maybe maybe um he had more going on than just the awful things he was doing but awful things were being done nonetheless and the path he was on in life took him to the point where it, it did cost him his son where, where he could have been doing good things his whole life you know and and it's too late for his son and he he always has to carry that with him now you know it's also that thing of like this whatever that like the death of his son just broke him so much that Iroh I think what you could argue is like the standout of the show you know mm-hmm. it's like everyone loves Iroh there's not a single person out there who hates Iroh as a character and meanwhile as as a character he's someone where it's like I will never get over this thing that happened <laughs> and I will never like everything good I do will not make up for it but I'm going to do it anyway in, like, a vain attempt to make it better. 
Yeah, maybe not even to redeem himself. Just, I think it's the idea that he has where it's never too late to do the right thing, but it doesn't mean it erases like your sins, you know, or like the, your actions will still have consequences or like inaction still has consequences. Like everything has consequences, but that means good things can too, you know? And the more good he puts out into the world, like the more he helps people, maybe they can help each other too. The it's, it's really just like a, that moment made him realize what really mattered in life. And he's always going to regret that he never expressed that to his son. That maybe it was like, there's more to life than war. Cause he didn't even realize that himself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you have a realization that's too late to save someone. I think th- in a weird way, this will sound weird. This is kind of reminded me of the Sopranos a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> this will sound incredibly odd. I apologize. But uh, in the final season of The Sopranos, spoilers for people who haven't watched it, but it's come on now. Um, he uh, Tony gets shot in the first episode of season six and then recovers from it. And he comes out of the hospital like, I had a near-death experience. He had like a very classical, like, I almost died. I had a choice and I decided to live. And I'm going to try to be a better person now. <laughs> and that whole season was about... Almost very cynically that it's very hard to suddenly be a better person. And Tony ends up falling right back into the person he was. And Iroh's kind of the opposite of that. Now, maybe that is because this is a children's show and The Sopranos was an HBO original series. (laughs) But um, I, I don't know. It's a... It's something to think about with those sorts... Because I think we all have moments where if that moment didn't happen, like we, it would shift our entire direction in life. And you have to make of it what you will because you can't change it. And some people do try to change, some people don't. And I think it's it's also this thing of like... Just because you change doesn't mean you'll be rewarded with like solace or you know like just any sort of closure on what happened which uh i think is the hardest thing for some people to deal with yeah and i mean a, a lot of fiction does tend to reward its characters like wow you're a good person now here's all the things you wanted happy ending and credits you know and like yeah. you know th- this is ultimately still a fictional children's program uh about magic earth rocks and stuff <laughs> but like the message is very true that, yeah, it, it's not going to be uh, happily ever after, but it doesn't mean it's anything less than the right thing to try yeah. and help other people. So it's, it's, it's remarkable. It tops countless best of Avatar episodes list because of the Ira vignette alone. I, would, I, I don't argue any of that stuff because it, it's terrific, this segment alone. And, and the others are, I mean, are... are What's nuts, is that it's the, what's nuts is that it's not the last one. <laughs> like, it's the second story. <laughs> so now it's like, let's watch a wacky story with Ang and some animals. Okay, I gotta be honest. I think that's one thing I would restructure in this episode. Maybe, I would, but I... I would put Iris hand. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but when I was watching it, what I think I realized is that because this was designed for television, there was probably a commercial break. So that can give you a bit of a reset, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
I don't think they were thinking about streaming. So, because, yeah, because then it's, like, it's just two goofy stories with, like, Aang and the animals. And then Sokka and the fucking... He gets in a rap battle, for God's sakes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, like, right after, like, leaves from the vine. And then you just cut the Sokka smacking his ass. And it's just... (laughs) It's, like, these are the same episode. (laughs) You know, in a weird way, I mean... Not structured the same way, but also just reminds me of the Futurama episode where the dog dies. Oh! And, and, but that's an episode where, like, because everyone talks about that sad ending, you forget, like, because it's still Futurama, there's, like, some of the funniest jokes of the show in that episode. <laughs> but you forget it because that fucking dog died in it. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, there's maybe a reason why we don't talk about the rap battle that happened. In the middle of Avatar The Last Airbender, because it was the episode where Iroh fucking reveals he's still distraught over the death of his son. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's why he cares so much about Zuko, because it's like, it's taken the place of his son. And then, yeah, Sokka can't do it, because he's an oaf. <laughs> and... Uh, but but speaking of Zuko, Zuko goes on a date in this episode, and naturally he, yeah, this is... he ruins it, but like... I wanted, I wanted to smack the shit out of Zuko. <laughs> this is one of those moments where I think maybe because I had this realization a little while back. Um, you know, in high school, like at least I, I am never good at picking up on signals or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to act like I've improved, but I definitely wasn't good then. Here's a hint. If you are a young person or in high school and a specifically a young dude, if a girl messages you out of the blue, anytime you write something and says, ha ha, you're so funny. <laughs> if they're doing that multiple times, they want to talk to you. <laughs> Do not ignore that because <laughs> no one just says that. <laughs> also, spoilers, you're probably not that funny. <laughs> Think of how often you message someone, ha ha, you're so funny. I, I, I know. I Exactly. I know. So. <laughs> there was a. Is there, uh, yeah. Because yeah. I'm looking back on about three instances where that happened in my life and I fucking never noticed. It's not a great feeling when you realize, oh shit, wait, they were what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Zuko, you fuck. This girl's totally, <laughs> totally digs you, and you think you think she's a fucking spy. <laughs> no, but look here. Here's the one situation where it's acceptable to not see it in front of them. It's when you're a, a war criminal on the run in foreign territory, trying to survive on a daily basis, on the run from assassins and your psychotic family. I think then it's okay to be like, oh yeah, I did miss that, didn't I? Okay. That's, that's that's the the situation. That's the one situation. Yeah. All right. Hold on a second. Let's do some. Let's do some role play for a second. We don't have right? to. No, let's do some role play for a second. All right. I'm gonna be Zuko and, and you you be the girl. All right. And let's. We're at dinner and we're having a conversation. We're gonna do the do's and don'ts. All right. Mm-hmm. So so here's the do. Why don't you say something to me that you would say on a date? I like your hair. Oh, thank you. I like yours, too. All right, now here's the don't. I'll say the exact thing. I like your hair. She's not my girlfriend! 
a man. Also, don't say if you if you need the cover. Don't go to juggling. Because <laughs> also, if the girl's really into you, she's gonna want to see you juggle, <laughs> and you're just gonna drop all them plates. Suko's got no game. No, well, he's he's going through some stuff. Like he's very clearly I, going through some stuff right now. I get it, but he's come got on, stuff on his mind. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Look, the, just be good. Just be nice. Could be a, you could have a good night. You he know? doesn't know how to be nice. He's learning. I, I mean, that's what's so problems. cute about this episode. Like, it is just like a cute scenario, you know, too. Mm-hmm. But like, he is trying by the end of it, and he he can't make the leap yet. So, like, he can't fulfill that yet, but he tries. He also, he also uh, clearly can't, he also doesn't have much respect for her intelligence. No, no, he does not. Because he, uh, he goes, and he, he goes to see the lanterns or whatever at the fountain, <laughs> and she's like, oh, they should be lit. And he's like, uh, close your eyes for a minute. Don't open them. <laughs> Gee, I wonder how he did that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of people could maybe put two and two together. But either she couldn't or she likes him that much that she's not going to point it out. Look, to me, it's clearly the latter. I, I thought that would have been, like, a recurring character. But I, I, it's not a spoiler to say that she doesn't come back, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, she does not make another appearance. So I thought it would have been, That's... like, a thing that they were, like, kind of teeing up. But... And as an, as an adult, it's sad because it's like, God, that was must have been an awful night for her. <laughs> It ends almost nicely, and then he fucks it up at the very end. Because, I know. Because it, it does get salvaged, and it's it's so sweet. Because Zuko, I mean, the last time Zuko... a coupon in her face. I, I know, I know. It's so bad. <laughs> Look, but like, I, I, I just want to smack this kid. But, like, He's the like... last time he had a solo story by himself, he was in shame. You know, but the kid told him that he hated him instead of like calling out for him. So yeah, he's had a rough ride. All right. Yeah, I just feel like maybe could have been a little more polite to the girl. No, 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 he totally could have. He totally could have been. Yeah, went everything you're saying is correct. He was even like, oh, you eat a lot of food for a girl, (laughs) which is you know, it's a thing you can say, I guess. You you shouldn't though. You should never say that. Yeah, you know, I mean. Hey, maybe it might be an accurate statement, but it still might not be something you should stay. <laughs> Zuko, you fuck. I know, but it, it's this one's really cute. I don't know the the romance stuff in this series is really working for me this time. Yeah, I don't know what it is, except for the fortune teller episode where we talked about it already. But like, yeah, the fortune teller's one where we're like, fuck that. But, yeah, <laughs> we're just uh, like, oh, so weird. I just, I just, I just this this Zuko kid. I know. I he's he's my favorite though. He's so stupid. Yeah, it's just <laughs> you 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 nincompoop. You just <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, just like every like I'm having like nom flashbacks to all his just <laughs> dumb shit he did. I think again because I I was such a like. I was up my own ass as a teenager, so, like, I have, like, a dozen moments like that. Except instead of a cartoon show, it was my actual life. <laughs> it's it's not it's like, pleasant to remember. Yeah, I just, I think maybe I would have been better if I was Zuko, because I was, I was too much one of those kids who's like, I gotta show people that I'm a smart person. 
No, no. Um, I knew I was not smart, but I still mm-hmm. didn't know how to, like, shut up. Mm-hmm. But And I still talk to most of the people I knew in high school, and I'm very good friends with a lot of them. So to those friends that I may or may not have been caught in similar situations with, thank you for sticking through with me. And I appreciate you very much. And uh, to all my friends who put up with my uh, ramble, my political ramblings um, in high school, and you know my very, uh, very vocal complaints about certain things. Um, turns out I was right. The country did become a police state. So oh fuck God. off. <laughs> the last tale of this um, this vignette series is the tale of Momo, Momo, which, which is incredible. <laughs> this is so sad. It ends so sad, but it's so good. It is so good. Momo enters a dance competition with some monkeys. <laughs> he He's searching for Appa, and um, he, he breaks out uh, a group of, like, weird panther cat things. And, uh, and they take him to where they last saw Appa. And it's so... This is also so cute and adorable. And uh, Momo is my favorite of the Avatar animals in all the series. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've made that clear before, but I love Momo, like with all my heart. So um, this this little episode is uh, holds a very special close place in my heart too, along with the Iro one, because I just I just love Momo so much. So it's it is sad, but it's amazing. I, I like, you know what though? This is something, and I totally do not hold this against the series because it this. Last year, Benner does it so well, but I think Disney has conditioned me to hate animal sidekicks a little bit because, <laughs> like, they just Disney movies just are the worst when it comes to that. It's just, just awful. I can't blame you for being cynical about that stuff at all. Like, the only good one is that fucking gecko entangled. I like uh, the chicken in Moana a lot. I like Hey Hey. Oh yeah, yeah, the chicken's fine. Yeah, that's because it's almost like a parody of. Animal sidekicks. Yeah, Mo- Moana gets it... how Moana gets Disney sidekicks right. There's <laughs> your fucking clickbait article. The Fuck. ending of Moana explained. <laughs> how Moana beat SJW propaganda or something. Yes. Or some stupid do... shit. Why Moana is better than Brie Larson. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yes. He started a YouTube channel and the men have just like lost it. There's such a I don't like I don't know enough about Brie Larson to have any opinion on her because that's how I just am with celebrities these days. But it's mm-hmm. unhealthy to hate a celebrity that much. Yeah, look, like, like I'm, I'm, you know, you can a celebrity you can who be... hasn't committed a criminal act, you shouldn't <laughs> hate that much. Like, like, there's a lot of bad faith stuff are, are obviously out there online, but like, also just like, as for as much as you can like or dislike a celebrity. I, I don't get the Brie Larson thing. I think it goes back to our Marvel conversation the other episode we did, where it was kind of a boys club for a while, and now it's not, and I think they can't handle that. Well, it's also, and she's been very vocally pro-women and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of debate. I mean, I think people get annoyed with that stuff because of Hollywood and shit like that, which, like, there's there's an argument to be made, but it's not being made by those people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not being made by the people who release 30-minute videos analyzing the body language of people. 
like they're the fucking like CIA trying to find <laughs> the guy who shot like Kennedy or something. <laughs> like, <sighs> we live in a hell world. Yeah, I know. Look, I I'm just glad like I'm glad like a lot of my favorite stuff isn't popular anymore. Just so we're not like totally analyzing it, you know. Yeah, so I got into Buffy and Angel like around the first the time the first Avengers came out. And I was like, oh boy, can't wait to see what else Joss Whedon does. So this last <laughs> decade was just like nonstop hit. Like every year it was like just hit after hit after hit. That was kind of funny in hindsight, but you know, mm-hmm. also bad for people. Anyways. You know what's the worst about those bad faith people hmm. that make these arguments is that occasionally like they'll hate someone and then that person will get exposed as being like a shit right mm-hmm. and then all those people feel validated oh yeah and they're like well like, i never liked them it's like good for yeah, you yeah i hate those people i want them gone so matt what was your favorite episode of the bunch today um oh god uh i pro i mean it, it's probably just tale of bossing say i mean it's hard to argue mm-hmm. against it um it's just like that. It's just it's such a standout compared to the rest of a series that has is full of great episodes. Yeah, uh, you're probably right. And Bossing's it's just so weird that like you it's we everyone talks about the hour thing and just like for, totally forgets that the majority of these stories are comedic stories. <laughs> like it's just that's like the weird thing revisiting it. Um, and I think I just I I also just got so much enjoyment out of just imagining myself slapping Zuko. I mean, it's just man, Zuko, Zuko, my man. <laughs> need need help, buddy. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. No. Well, that's okay. Uh, Tales of Bossing Say or the Desert for me. Like I I really loved the Desert episode this time. Desert, Desert episode is real good. This is, that's like the real emotional one. Yeah. Uh, all these are pretty solid episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, season two is is shaping up to be a favorite so far. We've only covered two, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're two, two, two in. I think the second one's real good. Uh, so yeah, that's that's it for this episode. So I just want to thank. Uh, the keepers of the cultural history of Bossing Say for uh, also providing us with these pamphlets and instructional materials for covering the episodes about Bossing Say. Yeah, you know, good, good, great, great people. No way they would be lying about anything. Yeah, why would you say that? That's weird. There is a war in Bossing Say. What are you talking about? There's a war. Look for the Dai Li. They're covering it up. They're blocking it. Follow the money. What?